my money. Money. I get money from you. Money in the bank. Young money. Money, 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 money. It's the rich man's world. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. World-renowned financial advisor and best-selling author Barry James Dyke will arm you with the truth. This is The Economic Warrior. Please note, the opinions expressed on this show are of the individuals who speak them, and not necessarily of Portsmouth Community Radio, its members, or Board of Trustees. Well, good afternoon, everybody. I uh, have a great guest today. We have Matt Zaluga um, from Zaluga Management down in West Virginia, and uh, we're going to be talking about his uh, new book and his work, uh, Smart Retirement, a fascinating guy, sold his first company to uh, National Financial Partners. For over a million bucks when he before he was twenty nine. Um, oh, wanted to be a millionaire before he's twenty nine. Yeah, a, that's it's, a goal with some people. Yeah, so he's he's quite the accomplished guy. And uh, Matt, thank you so much for being um, a guest today. And uh, uh, I know about you, but could you please tell the audience about yourself and where you grew up and how you know you are where you're at now? And you know you're selling <laughs> the, the, your first company for over a million bucks to NFP. Uh, that was Jessica oh. Bibliewitz's company, whatever. <laughs> Sandy Wiles' oh, daughter, right? Yeah. If I knew I had to tell a story about myself, I might have passed. But uh, yeah, I live in a very small town uh, in in the state of West Virginia, I'm right outside of uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And, and early on in my career, I started to realize the importance of integrating, you know, reliable mathematically based income over market based um, approaches, and was pretty a very early pioneer into what today is commonly called uh, income planning. So um, we really established ourselves in the uh, three-state area here as a leader in thought and implementation of those types of plans. And then ultimately, a company took notice, a company called National Financial Partners that ended up uh, coming in, and they were traded on the New York Stock Exchange, and they rolled our firm up inside of them and, and bought us out. And it was a interesting experience for a young man of 29 years old, but uh, ultimately it wasn't really for me. And when the market um, came crashing down in 2008, I was able to buy my firm back from them, although they were really wonderful people and I enjoyed being there. I like the independence of being able to write my own books and have my own thoughts, and I'm not a good corporate guy, I guess. So uh, that's kind of the quick story on me, Barry. Yeah, well, thank you. And, uh, you know, so... So what ha- what happened? You just created this practice, and then then, then this had, they came knocking on your door and saying, "Hey, we, we want to buy you out, Matt." You know, a really good friend of mine had uh, a giant firm down in Florida, and uh, he said, "You know, you really need to meet this young guy up." And back then, I was a young guy uh, up outside of Pittsburgh, and uh, they called on me, and I said, "Who who gave you my number?" And he said, "Well, you know, Earl down in Florida." And I said, "Well, what a wonderful man!" I said, "Anybody that he thinks is good, I would love to talk to." And uh, Shortly thereafter, um, they had uh, made us offers to purchase our firm, and and after that time, they ended up going public on the New York Stock Exchange. So it was a, it was a, it was an interesting learning experience. But uh, and my commitments to client, and there's a lot of paperwork that goes along with being a subsidiary or a piece of a publicly traded company, and I didn't like that. I'd, I'd rather focus on clients and. And, and you know the ideas that where we can help them rather than in corporate bureaucracy. You know, you know, you know the interesting thing we talk about private equity a lot and, on, on this radio show. Uh, 
Matt, and I and I believe NFP was was bought in a leveraged buyout by Hellman and Friedman or one of the. I matter of fact, I'm I'm positive they were bought in a leveraged buyout. Uh, yeah, you know, and the crazy thing is the wonderful people that were there that started that. Of course, as you know how the the story goes, they're not there anymore, <laughs> and uh, it went from an environment that was. Uh, and I was already gone by then, by the way. But uh, it was, it, you know, they had some seed capital from some of those firms. But uh, ultimately, by the time the buyout had happened, all the people that I liked and knew and trusted had moved on. Yeah, I can believe it. Now, so let's let's get to the heart of it. So, what are the biggest risks you see today? You know, and you know, as we all know, it, it, retirement is a real problem in, in America. Um, the defined benefit pension plans are essentially non-existent unless you work for the government. Um, um, what, are, what are the biggest risks, retirement and economic risks you see with consumers having today, Matt? I think a big problem is the lack of understanding about what is truly safe to withdraw from a variable-type portfolio that's in the market. And I think that folks don't really fully comprehend that the damage is done sort of in a mountain climbing analogy on the descent whenever, you know, the accumulation of money, it, it, you know, the markets are a good place, you know, to potentially accumulate money. But whenever you're trying to create income that is reliable and consistent and that you can count on, um, the market is a very volatile place to try to do so. And I don't think people fully realize that, A, average rates of return are inherently very misleading and B, an average rate of return calculated by a brokerage house or by a bank is not a reliable number for distribution. And I think that void of knowledge costs people a uh, a lifetime of happiness and retirement. I think that's the number one problem today. Yeah, and uh, matter of fact, you mentioned uh, in your book, uh, who we just had on, by the way, a couple of weeks ago, Wade Fowle. Uh, remember yeah, Wade? We, we had Wade, and he quoted him in his book. Um, and this is what I tell people, and I don't know how you telling people the truth, they really don't want to hear it, but um, I guess the conventional wisdom is that people should be able to take to four to five percent, which is ridiculous. Um, but you're, you're saying that the um, it, it should be what Fow says, and um, and and what I believe is that it should be down roughly to you know maybe 2.3 to. Uh, 2.8 to maybe 3.5, really no more than that. What do you What do you say, Matt? I agree. You know, if you're a millionaire in America today and you're sitting on a million dollars in your retirement plan in your IRA, say that you rolled over from your company pension, and you're feeling pretty good about it, that you, you really don't want to acknowledge these numbers because what that means is it's safe to distribute. You know, we'll give them we'll give them a little bump. We'll call it 2.4 percent. So that's twenty four thousand dollars. Uh, for that year, and and here's the problem, uh, Barry. That's before tax. Yeah. So you know we're not talking about putting two thousand a month in your pocket. We're talking about distributing two thousand a month and then putting it through, you know, the process of figuring out what your tax liabilities are. So if that takes a whack out of that, we're talking about a very meager existence on a million dollars. You know, when we think about being a millionaire, it's supposed to be this great accomplishment, but with distribution rates, what they are, it's it's uh, quite um, it's quite a, a, a meager retirement based on traditional planning and what Wall Street and the big banks want you to believe. Yeah, which which gets me to uh, I call him the, you know um, a friend of mine, uh, Mark Massa. We'll have to have him on. He calls them Wall Street uh, Wall Street bullies, and I call them it the asset management industrial complex, which it is. 
Um, but a lot of this stuff which we hear from, from the media and um, in Wall Street is really kind of propaganda. Would you agree? Um, or misinformation at best? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a mathematical trick. I mean, the, the thing that they rely most on, and I think that it's a, there's some very easy examples to see this, is getting people to buy in and believe in average rates of return. So let's just, let's just have a little fun with the listeners today, if that's okay with you. And we'll make our fictitious Matt and Barry investment. Okay. It's quite volatile, but it's, it's going to sound really good. Because we're going to offer our listeners a 25% compounded average rate of return, right? Not a, an average rate of return. So we have a positive 100% year one, followed by a negative 50% in year two, followed by a positive 100% year three, followed by a negative 50% in year four. When you do the math, the way an average would work, in the prospectus it would say that it has a 25% average rate of return annually. Well, the problem is if you put money in that ride, your dollar doubles to two whenever you make the hundred. It gets cut back to one when you lose the half. And it repeats that, so you've gone nowhere. And, of course, you paid fees whenever you do that along the way, too. And I think they rely heavily on people believing that, oh, the five-year average rate of return here is 7% or 8%. And people inherently look at things a lot like CDs. So they start thinking, if I have a million dollars, I can take out seventy or $80,000. And that's the farthest thing from the truth. And they're not truth tellers; they are uh, product sellers, and uh, you know they're not interested in people realizing the detriment to their money until, oftentimes, it's too late. Yeah, it's all about merchandising, really, not people telling people the truth about this stuff. Because, you know, uh, I don't know, we ever a leap guy? We, we had Bob Castellone on the uh, on the radio God, a couple months back, um, mm-hmm. but he showed me from a mathematical point of view, uh, and this was kind of the change of my career that. A lot of this stuff, which is really sold, um, you know, um, uh, dollar cost averaging, all that stuff. It's just it's it's mathematical lunacy when you when you factor in the the tax costs and nothing really goes in a straight line. Oh, he's brilliant, and yes, the first person who ever taught me anything about uh, how to think the right way about money w- was Leap and Bob Castleone. Yeah, yeah, so, and- yeah. I'm a big believer in his in the way that he views things. In a lot of ways, uh, many of the things that are in the Smart Retirement book, you know, it's the strategic movement around retirement taxation, have some uh, simplistic basis in the origins of LEAP for sure. Yeah, because I've used, you know, the, the, you know, some of the calculations with people. When you really sit down and do the calculations with people, it's like, what have I done? And uh, it changed my career, And uh, uh, but we're really indebted uh, uh, to him. And um, so... So, but one of the things which um, also, uh, and we're going to have to take a break, uh, Matt, a little bit to keep us legal, but um, what do you think is one of the bigger problems, too, not just about the the retirement problem, but isn't debt a really huge problem in America now for the, the, talking? you know, you do seminars, I don't know how you approach your people, but isn't debt a real problem for consumers now? Well, the banks have their own set of lies, and that's the interest rate. Uh, you know, it's 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 how much interest are we really paying? And we believe sometimes when they give us a four percent interest rate that that's what we're paying. But when you do the math and look at the volume of interest you pay, a lot of times that's forty percent plus. And I think that uh, 
that's a that's a whole nother issue, and it's why the market is expecting the millennials to come running back and save it, but they're strapped with student loans that they are structured out over a 10-year payment period, So, and they don't trust the market. So I, I think that certainly debt is a gigantic problem in America today, and folks aren't given a realistic way to approach it to eliminate it. Yeah, because what I've seen in my own personal experience, Matt, I've seen people with maybe I'll, I'll give you a great example. I do work with people around the country, but people with you know twenty, thirty thousand dollars in student loan debt, and they're maximizing their four hundred one k. It's like, yikes! You know, it's just people don't realize realize the, the drag of debt is on their on their, their not, not only just their financial well being, but their spiritual and psychological well being. Would you agree? I absolutely would agree. You know, so um, now. You make an analogy about retirement planning like mountain climbing, and I'm going to ask you to, uh, to explain that, and then we're going to have you on after the break. But how do you t- – I, I like that analogy. What do you mean by that? Well, a lot of times, you know, you, you don't pack your bags to get to the top of the mountain. You should be packing your bags to get to the top of the mountain and back down safely to the other side so you can make it home and have a good store and a good picture. And in mountain climbing, one of the things that I've learned as I were studying for, you know, what's the appropriate analogy to, to building a solid, uh, predictable, and reliable retirement uh, was mountain climbing because 85% of the people who, are, who die during that activity do so on the descent. And it's just not understanding how to pack your bag now so that when you get to that beautiful picture at the top of the mountain and you're ready to come back down, that you're adequately supplied to make that descent safely and to take you all the way to the end, and in this case, the analogy, is the end of your life, so you never run out of money. That's interesting. So most of the people who like die on Everest, it comes down in the descent, huh? 85%. I never knew that. But, but I, you know, by the way, I spoke to, uh, you wrote uh, about two people who you buy in the book, and one of them was... What well, was me, believe it or not? I, thank you so much for the accolades, and uh, uh, I'm most most grateful. And uh, I, I guess you use my books uh, to help you uh, make money. But also Nelson Nash, and I, believe it or not, I spoke with Nelson uh, Nash yesterday. I got to see the guy. He's 87. He's um, have these guys have, have we helped to influence your your uh, career directory? I, I think what you know with Nelson, it's that deep understanding of how uh, the world of money really works and our need, um, our, our, our true needs for capital and how he approaches that, I think, is mandatory and everybody should be studying um, his philosophies on that because I think he's spot on. And as you get older and, you, and the years go by, you become more aware that the way that he teaches is the truth and the way that Wall Street and the banks teach is just completely about them making as much money as humanly possible at your expense. You, on the other hand, the admiration is the fact that you don't just say things. When you say something, um, there is no doubt that it's correct because you've researched it uh, beyond any other person in our industry, and it is a incredibly uh, impressive quality to me. I come from a family of lawyers. My father was a trial lawyer, so and, and before he was a trial lawyer, he was an engineer. So uh, you know the depth of of you know your comments and and, and very, being able to verify them was always something that I grew up as being very important. And uh, there's nobody in the business better than you uh, for verifying all the things that are being said that are true. And I appreciate the heck out of that. I really do. 
Well, well, my pleasure, Matt. Yeah, because I just, I was just so. Uh, I, when I was a kid, I liked to take things apart. You know, like if I got a, a toy or whatever, Matt, I, <laughs> I want to take it apart, figure out how it worked. Now, lots of times I couldn't put the thing back together. Uh, um, so, uh, so that I, I we, even when I was a little kid, that I always wanted to take things apart and figure out how they really worked, and and that's what happened with the banking stuff. And I couldn't understand how a mutual fund worked or a bank worked, and um, or a life insurance policy worked, or or so I had to take them apart. And then, um, well, thank you. And so it's 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 a God given gift. So, but I have to work hard at it too, and uh, ain't easy. And um, I'm um, working on another book, but um, but one of the things which you you conclude, and uh, it, th- there's a lot of hypocrisy with with banks, like say Bank of America, who owns Merrill Lynch, and this is you know this is everything is all verifiable because you can go to the proxy statements if the people question me. Um, is that they what they what they sell to the public and what they do for themselves are two different things. So like they like they love to sell uh, mutual funds and private equity funds and hedge funds and all this other stuff. But for themselves, they like to have the guaranteed products. Am I correct, Matt? Oh, yeah. You know, and, and thank you for plugging it like it's me, but you know I learned that from you. <laughs> I appreciate that, but let's be honest here. You opened my eyes to that uh, in a much um, much more uh, magnified uh, view, so thank you. Um, yes, it's true. You know, you, you look at what the the world of money, let's just call it the world of Wall Street money and banking money, on how they uh, advertise and pitch to the public versus what the executives are actually doing for themselves. And this is something that you laid out masterfully in your last book, which was the number of people in this CEO-level uh, positions and what they had, and they had things like SERPs, Supplemental Executive Retirement Plans that are insurance-based. They had split-dollar plans that are insurance-based. And what they didn't have were 401Ks, yeah. <laughs> except for one guy, right? Uh, Sam over at IBM had a, a little bit, a little smidgen in the uh, in the 401K compared to his massive nine figures in uh, in these guaranteed-based plans. So, you know, and, and here's the thing, that's what I'm talking about. You, you, the research depth, I knew that, but um, you, you put that forward in a way that I, that I, of course, I credit you in the book for it because it is your credit that you, you dug that out and, and enlightened that to all of us to say, look, you know, look at what these people are doing, these smart people that understand how to, how money really works and what they're making you do. And I think the, the thing that's most painful is if you look at uh, Lockheed Martin and Marilyn Houston, you know, she's getting sued by 108,000 of her employees because, you know, they're, they're not managing to the fiduciary uh, standards that they need to be to protect their employees in their 401k account. So on one side, she's loaded up on a SERP, which is insurance-based, and on the investment side, they're not even doing the proper due diligence and protection for their participants. So there you go. I mean, I mean, how much how much more truth can you handle in the morning? Well, there, there's the real plans that work, and then there's the plans that we're told and sold that are supposed to work that don't. Now, the fu- the funny thing about this, Matt, this is this true story, is that the the guy out in St. Louis, I'll probably remember this after, after the show, he's made a fortune suing all these 401k plans. Schlichter. Schlichter, okay, okay. He He's used my books in my research in his trials, and he told me this. And uh, he's out at Schlichter. Where is it? 
Is it Barry Schlichter or Henry? I forget. Schickler, Schickler. Kurt? Maybe you got a no, it's Schlichter. Yeah, but anyway, so. It's, it's Schlichter. Yeah, so but he's made a fortune, and and he sued Lockheed about because Lockheed was actually overcharging <laughs> its own um, employees, and, and they lost. Was it 60? I think they it was a class action suit for like 62. $62 million. $62 million. Yeah, it's, you, you read my book, okay? So, but but here, here's, the, here's, here's the deeper side. The crazy thing is one of the best fiduciary defense lawyers in America is a Pittsburgh guy. And I know him extremely well. He's a friend of mine. He's a client of mine. So I've talked with him and Schlichter on the phone before about you know, how do you create fiduciary protection in a 401k and what are, what are best practices? And you know, these are just guys that I'm, I'm, I'm in their little niche and they had him on the phone and I listened to him talk. And um, the crazy thing about that $62 million settlement, by the way, it's on one fund. They have 24 more. Oh, they have 24? They, it's still got ongoing? One fund. Holy. Not, <laughs> he can go back anytime he wants and nail them again. And, just and, do them on one fund. You know, and the thing is, is that, you know, and I've read his stuff, and, you know, he's, uh, uh, and I, I flipped when he said he's used my research, but uh, I just said, how did you get this? Because uh, I just self-published. But uh, um, the thing is, is that, uh, so if, so they, so what they, people think, oh, we'll just put our money in, in State Street or in Vanguard or BlackRock Index Fund. You know, and and I'm an indexer, believe me, and I am a, a closet indexer. Okay, uh, but the problem with indexing, there's no protection of principle, is there? None. Zippo, niente. The thing, if you live forever and there was no period to where you had to take distribution, that would be irrelevant. But unfortunately, we do have a finite amount of time on Earth, and we have a finite amount of years that we can work before we expect that we want to take something out. So beyond the preservation and protection of principle, you have the whole issues of the sequence of returns being negative and you going broke and not having money in retirement when you need to take money from your money. And you can't because you're starting off on a bad market year. Yeah, it's, 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 it's see, I'm, see, I'm not against the indexing because I don't believe in active management anymore. Right? Unless people are really, really wealthy. Um, you know, and if a guy's worth a hundred million, I could see him maybe putting three, four, five million in a, a hedge fund or a private equity. So I, I can't blame him. But would, I would, would, would you agree, Matt, that the vast majority of us humans, okay, uh, really, they should, they should really kind of look to manage risk and not to manage expectations. Well, I'll share with you exactly how I do it. I don't know. I've never, I've never written this. I've never taught this to any other advisors. But I'll tell you exactly how I do it. I, I look at people's um, pay stubs and I see what they actually live off of after the deductions. Ask them if it works, and then I reverse engineer backwards mathematically what they would need to build a floor of that minimum amount of income. Not accounting for inflation and then i find uh, guaranteed products that will fill that 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 void between social security and any pensions that they believe are reliable and i plug that with a mathematically uh, calculated guaranteed product now if they want to if they have money over and above that um and they want to put that into the market that that's fine i i'm not a big i am not a believer at all in active management um, I'm actually I'm not a believer in any management, quite frankly, uh, because of the the loss of um, the loss of uh, 
yield to fees. So I'm, I'm extremely fee conscious on that side. And uh, and even on the guaranteed side, I'm very interested in products that don't, don't have fees but have uh, benefits that are reliable and guaranteed for life. So that's that's all I do. I mean, I look at it. I, it's a very simple way of approaching it. But, you know, that's not the norm. Most people don't look at that. They they go riding on to the future in, in market risk. And, you know, that that's a, that's a recipe for disaster at some point. It's going to be disastrous at some point. It's a guarantee. It's not a question. It's going to happen. Just when. Yeah. And, and you know, that's a great way to go. Now, the funny thing is, is that, um, uh, and actually, I didn't realize this, but I actually met the guy who developed the program for Fidelity. Uh, Fidelity actually in 2003, man, I don't know if you knew about this, uh, but Fidelity in 2003, and actually Vanguard to a certain extent, but for their high-end clients, they've been using um, uh, guaranteed products, you know, for, you know, for their you know, high net worth people, two, three, four million dollars and, and more. Mm-hmm. They, they were, they were do, establishing, uh, they call it the four-box strategy for uh you know for their high end clients and um uh so there's there's a tremendous amount of misinformation out there you know there's a lot more profit in people making bad decisions for the wall street machine and banks than there are making good decisions it's crazy i i i, <laughs> I got on this blog site the other day and i don't even know how i got sucked into this but some an advisor called me and his client had read something on a blog and a I'll remain these folks nameless, and they were just making things up. And you know, these are non-registered, non-licensed uh, people that are actually medical professionals. So it was even more bizarre. <clears throat> but boy, were they opinionated! And uh, so I, I just started to hammer down on one of those things. And of course, you know, they were rebutting back aggressively. And so I thought, hmm, you know, I got a little time on my hands. I'm going to have a little fun here. So I started, you know clipping and pasting tax rules and articles, validating everything I did. And Barry, no kidding, They every insult they made of me, they kept on, and every factual thing that I proved my point, they erased. So it, it, there's an epidemic of not understanding how money really works. And it's totally unfair to the hardworking people who go and do their job, and all they want to do is retire you know, well off, and, and, and if, if possible, leave something behind to the people that they love. I mean, and it should be easy, but it's not because there's so many hands that are in the kitty trying to grab their dollars that uh, that becomes the issue about how much money can we extract from this client. And it's wrong. I mean, if you do it mathematically and you do it correctly, you're, you can be compensated for your time and the services you provide fairly, uh, but not excessively. Uh, you know, so I'm a, I'm a huge believer in the use of guaranteed products. Yeah, and um, yeah, because it's it's always about the, they're better off by transferring uh, the risk to a large pool of people. It was the essence of insurance, and um, you know, uh, I think we're all in this together, Matt, one way or another. And I think the more we sure. we spread risk, and um, the better off we're going to be. And um, you know, because you know, let's face it. Oh, by the way, in, in the next book, Matt, I'm going to give you a list. Everyone, a list of all the corporations who are. Um, uh, using annuities for to fund pensions and uh, <laughs> um, uh, executive pensions. Executive pensions, but uh, but I also uh, I don't know if you knew about this, Matt, but uh, the gray old gray lady itself, the New York Times, uh, mm-hmm. and um, CBS, which is uh, the the two major uh, media uh, concerns in the United States. Yep, they bought two hundred and twenty million 
and for I think for the old gray lady for their pension benefits, and eight hundred million for CBS. So what does that tell you? Well, it's 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 lunacy. I mean, if, it, but I think what's I think we are starting to see that there is a little bit of a momentum shift, and it, of course this is going to be fought tooth and nail by the institutions that benefit from people making poor decisions. But you know, I, I think that, quite frankly, Michigan's football coach, Jim Harbaugh, oh, yeah. and it makes it real, you know. I mean, I think that these uh, CEO-level folks make it, you know, unbelievable. But for some reason, people can relate to a football coach. And then, of course, for people that hate Mi- Michigan, you can always go to Dabo Sweeney, because as soon as he got it over at Michigan, Dabo got it over at, uh, at Clemson. So, you know, they're... There, there's, there's always, uh, you know, there, there, this is starting to become. The, I think there's a, there's a, there's a spark here that people are now saying, wait a second, you know, maybe there is an alternative here that's a little smarter. And that's one of the things that I really wanted to shed light on is that, look, you got to be safe with your income, but you also have to be tax aware. And advisors, of course, are always warned away from giving tax advice, and they disclaim it on every single thing that they give to their clients. But I don't think that's a permission slip to go tax brain dead. And so, you know, what I wanted to do in SMART is to say, look, you know, maybe we can't give you direct tax advice, but you need to be aware that, especially right now, where taxes are on sale for a limited time only, you know, because we know that there's reversion back uh, right. in um, the first day of 2026, that maybe this this um, this this overindulgence of uh, tax deferred savings can be somewhat uh, fixed during this political window of opportunity. So that's you know I think there's a lot that can be done right now, and I think that people are starting to at least be open to that. Now, Matt, where can people uh, find out more about you, and how can they get the book? By the way, would Forbes uh, did Forbes books? Did they publish it? Forbes? Uh- yeah, Forbes published it, and um, the the best place for your audience to get it from would be a website smartretiree.com. Um, and on there, there's also a nice little interactive area where if somebody says, "Hey, I'm going to read this book, and if it makes sense, I need some help." Um, what I've done is all the folks that I've ever worked with and, and kind of taught these ideas and systems to, you know, they're, they're, that are in their geographic area, you'll be able to identify people in your state and your area who have gone through some extensive training and kind of thought shifting to being more strategic about the movement around retirement taxation, you know. And I think that's a smart thing for people to look at, and you need a smart advisor to be able to help you do that. So they're there. So it's at smartretiree.com, Barry. Yeah, okay, yeah. So how did you get hooked up with Forbes? Uh, it's funny that you mentioned I was talking to them about using some of their research in my ne- upcoming book. How did you get in connect with them? It, it's a really weird thing. There was a guy who – I've done what you've done in the past. This That would be like my third book. And uh, I always self-published them, you know. So I had a guy in a company that I always really liked, and uh, there's a young man there that worked there, and I – I had uh, texted him and said, "Hey, I got a new book. I need to, you know, get get uh, get 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 you working on." It. He says, "Well, I'm not there anymore. I went to uh, Forbes." And I said, "What do you know about magazines? You, you don't know anything about magazines." And he said, "Now we got a book publishing you know, department." And I said, "Well, fantastic." I said, "Well, uh, where am I going to send this? Because I'm not thinking that you know, Forbes is going to be interested in my stuff." He says, "Well, send it to me. Let me take a look." And then he gave it to his boss, and they they came back out and said, "Hey, I got to tell you." 
nobody, we're not finding many people talking about tax diversification. We've got people talking about asset allocation. We've got people talking about retirement planning, but we don't have this concept of tax diversification. We kind of like this, and um, we'd like to publish it. I go, well, fantastic. And they said, well, there's a couple problems. I said, what's that? Said, well, your writing style's bad. Your English is bad. The ideas are great, but we're going to have to get you some work. So uh, they kind of helped make, made me fix it up a little bit. And uh, they published something that's very easy to read. And uh, I had a wonderful um, help with that from a wonderful lady named Yolanda Prinzel. And it came out much better uh, the concept's much better and clearer with that with that process. So that's how I actually ended up there. And I thought, wow, what a great deal! You know, I, instead of having to pay for these books, I got Forbes. Well, then they suck. Then then they got on me with their um, with their sales folks to advertise in the magazine, and they got all the money back and yeah. more. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it all worked out. But anyway, so the, it, it's a nice job. And uh, Matt, we wish. Let's keep in touch and wish the best of luck to you. Oh, by the way, you know, and Malcolm yes, Forbes, you know, which which in my research, my first book, is remember. I think he bought some of the largest chunks of life insurance of all time. So, uh, what? What? Uh, so, actually, Mr. Forbes uh, actually was a huge believer in what you're talking about. So, well, you know, and and and, and true. I mean, think about the the companies that withstand time. If you go back and you said, "Hey, what are the three or four questions we may ask them?" What, <laughs> one of them should be, "Was there life insurance involved?" And what I think people don't fully understand, and what I wanted to bring to light was that these life insurance policies used in executive benefits and used in split dollar and used with these coaches, they're not about dying with. They're about living very, very well at a much higher distribution rate and then having a tax-free inheritance to your family. And it's pretty awesome. Barry, thanks for the opportunity. It's always wonderful to talk to you, sir. God bless you, Matt, and best Thank of luck you. to you. Thank you. Have a, have a good one, everybody. You're listening to WSCA in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. My name is Barry James Dyke, and you can go to barryjamesdyke.com if you want to find out more about me or my the show. Have a great day. This has been The Economic Warrior with your host, Barry James Dyke. Broadcast live at WSCA Portsmouth Community Radio. Engineered by Phil Kleiger. If you have any questions about today's show, or need an ally in conquering the battleground of finance, contact the warrior himself at barryjamesdyke.com. Who are the warriors?